The passage I'll be speaking from, or should I say, the sentence I am speaking about, which is very short, but packs such a punch that I didn't feel I'd have time to talk about anything else, is from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And it is this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's so short, I'm going to read it a second time. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Uh, this reminds me of a story I was once told about two, caterpillar, two caterpillars. Two caterpillars were sitting on a leaf, and as they were sitting there, they saw a butterfly passing by. And one caterpillar turns to the other and says, you won't catch me going up in one of those. The truth is, transformation can seem scary. It implies giving up everything in our lives that we're familiar with, and everything which um, gives us comfort and security, and then launching into the unknown. But scary or not, this is what lies at the heart of the Christian journey. And in fact, the metamorphosis of a caterpillar changing into a butterfly is an apt analogy for the transformation that begins to take place in us when we come into relationship with Jesus. For when we come into relationship with Jesus, he gives us a new heart and a new spiritual DNA. The Bible describes it like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. An exchange takes place when we give our lives to Jesus. We hand over control of our lives to Jesus and he fills us with his Holy Spirit and imprints his DNA into our hearts. So from that moment onwards, we become children of God. And as such, we are destined to become more like our spiritual father. Many people speak of a visible change in behavior when people come to Christ. I know that when I began my relationship with Jesus, people kept commenting on it, saying I was different and asking me what had changed. When I explained I'd become a Christian, they assumed that my pattern of behavior had changed as a result of my efforts to adhere to some Christian code of conduct. However, this couldn't have been further from the truth. I had tried very hard to be good for a long time before I became a Christian, but it was impossible for me to break old habits. I'm absolutely certain that any improvement in my behavior wasn't merely as a result of my efforts to conform to some Christian code of ethics, but was the fruit of the new DNA. Going back to the analogy of the caterpillar, the DNA of a caterpillar is what causes it to become a butterfly. It doesn't strive to act like a butterfly or put on a butterfly costume. As long as it eats, its, its metabolism takes the nutrients in that it consumes, it assimilates them, and that causes it to grow, so that eventually the caterpillar changes and becomes a butterfly. 
Likewise, Christian transformation doesn't occur as the result of us spiritually pulling up our socks and adjusting our behavior to look like nicer people when people are watching. When we, when we try to cover up our inner condition by improving our conduct in our own strength, we're merely putting on a costume to hide what lies underneath, and sooner or later that gets revealed. Genuine change that doesn't alter when people aren't looking can be sustained only as the result of this internal spiritual metamorphosis that happens as a result of our spiritual rebirth. You see, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, he brings with him the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the gifts that are automatically given to us when we come to faith. And when this fruit takes root within us, it cannot fail but impact our outward appearance. Our behavior gradually changes until we spontaneously begin to look a little bit more like our spiritual father. Now let me be quite clear, I'm not saying that when we become Christians, we suddenly become perfect. Unfortunately, that is far from true. What I am saying, though, is that when we become a Christian, we begin the process of transformation, which God promises he will bring to completion when we finally get to meet him face to face. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Again and again, I have seen people come to faith and I have seen their lives transformed because personal transformation and freedom are guaranteed byproducts of a life filled with the Holy Spirit. The last time I spoke after the Alpha Holy Spirit Day, I illustrated, um, my my I illustrated this with my story of restoration but this time I'd like to do it with my friend Jess's story. Um, I asked her if she would write it down for me, so I'm going to read it to you in her own words. Um, Jess is a 20-something year old girl. I had a good start in life. I come from a loving family. I did well at school academically, and I had a good group of friends. However, everything seemed to go wrong when I reached my teens. As I progressed through the year groups of school, the pressure grew and I became increasingly insecure. I was convinced that I was useless, yet I was consumed with the idea that I needed to be perfect. I would work myself to exhaustion in the hope of winning everybody else's affirmation, but even if it came, I was unable to accept it. As you can imagine, I wasn't much fun to be around, so most of my friends stopped spending time with me. This left me feeling very isolated and incredibly lonely. At the same time, my relationship with my parents and my two siblings was also breaking down. I felt that I'd lost everybody that I ever loved and that these relationships were beyond repair and it was all my fault. At school, my teachers started to notice that I was struggling to cope, so I was given the opportunity to choose one of my um, teachers to mentor me to help me to manage my work-life balance better. 
I remember choosing my chemistry teacher solely because he was a Christian and there was something about him that was different. We met in school almost every week and right from the beginning we chatted about God rather than my work. I was intrigued by all he said about God's love but I couldn't believe that God could possibly love me. My depression began to spiral out of control and I began self-harming. So I was put on antidepressants and sent to see a counsellor. All this made me feel like a failure. After all, surely someone with a fairly normal start to life such as mine should be able to cope much better than I was. Despite all the help I was offered and my parents' best efforts, I felt like I couldn't carry on anymore. Desperate for an escape, when I was 17, I made my first of five suicide attempts. After my second attempt, I was hospitalised into a psychiatric ward where I was to spend nine months as an inpatient. My whole life seemed to have come to an end before it had really begun, and I couldn't see how it was ever going to turn around. On turning 18, my care was transferred to the adult team. When my doctor informed me that I, I would spend the rest of my life in and out of hospital, that I would never be able to maintain a job or a relationship of any kind. Obviously, these statements hit me hard, and I was devastated that not even my doctor appeared to believe I was going to get any better. Around the same time, shortly before I left hospital, my mentor from school got back in touch with me and invited me to meet with him and his family when I got out. While others were quick to judge and maintain their distance, they were all incredibly loving. Once I was discharged from hospital, I saw them on a regular basis and they would pray for me and talk to me about Jesus. They became like a second family to me and demonstrated the power of love of God before I really knew who God was. One day they invited me to come to church with them. I was petrified, but found myself agreeing anyway. When I got there, it struck me as a place of life and hope, so I kept going. This began an incredibly slow and at times very painful process of letting God into my brokenness and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to me. I had a very bumpy journey coming to faith, and even now I've no idea at what point I became a Christian. It just sort of happened over time. But it's a few years now, and God has totally and utterly transformed me. He restored hope in my heart and turned my life around in the most amazing way. I have had a huge breakthrough over the last few years since becoming a Christian in all areas of my life where I thought change was impossible. Most importantly, I can say with total confidence that I am loved by God and that nothing can or ever will change that. He's given me hope in my hopeless situations and a knowledge that he has amazing plans for my future. After having a number of years without any contact at all, my relationship with my siblings has been totally restored and my relationship with my parents has been rebuilt. I'm in a job that I genuinely love and God has surrounded me with the most wonderful, loving and inspiring friends. Furthermore, God has also shown me that he can take anything from my past and use it for his glory to grow his kingdom. Excitingly, he paved the way for me to run an activity group on the teenage psychiatric ward where I used to be a patient six years ago. 
I've been going there each fortnight ever since. Meeting with the young people on the ward, he have reached a place of utter despair. It is easy when you're an inpatient to believe that being institutionalised is the best that the future has to offer. But in the presence of God, there is endless love and hope, and his plans for our lives are to prosper us. It is a huge privilege to know that God is using my past to bring about restoration and transformation in other young people that I work with. Isn't God amazing? I wish you could all meet Jess. I feel fairly sure you would love her. It's hard not to because she carries the fruit of the Spirit and she loves God. You can sense his presence whenever she's around. But as she explained in her story, that didn't happen instantaneously. Her restoration was a slow and steady progress. The more time she spent soaking in God's presence, the more healing she experienced, and the more she resembled her spiritual father. That is because our role in the process of transformation is like that of the caterpillar, to steadily eat a healthy diet. For the caterpillar, a healthy diet consists of leaves. Without a concentrated effort to feed itself, the caterpillar would never grow into a butterfly that it was designed to be. Likewise, we need to make a concerted effort to feed ourselves with spiritual food. In the Bible, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger, and he who believes in me shall by no means ever thirst. If we want to grow and change, we don't need to find a butterfly costume. We need to fill ourselves with the bread of life. We can do that through prayer, which is talking to God and then inviting him into every area of our life. We can do that through reading the Bible, getting to know more about him and the life he's calling us into. And we can do that through asking him to fill us with his life-changing Holy Spirit. When we do this, not only can we expect some degree of restoration, but we can also expect God to use us to bless other people. Because, along with the fruits, the Spirit also brings gifts. Gifts of the Spirit are special abilities provided by God for the purpose of enabling us to do what he calls us to do. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 11 lists some of the more obviously supernatural gifts, such as words of knowledge, healing, miracles and prophecy. But there are many other gifts listing in different parts of the Bible, such as teaching or acts of service, creative gifts and giving. The good news is that every single believer, from the moment they make a commitment to Christ, receives spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians verse 12, um, 12 verse 7 tells us, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not to the vicar or the elders of the church is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, but to each, to everyone. I personally know of one occasion where God actually used two young girls who had just become a Christian to heal someone. Uh, it happened when my friend John was invited to speak at another church. 
At the end of the talk, he asked anybody to come forward who would like some prayer. And the moment he stepped off the stage, a couple of young girls came up to talk to him. And they asked him if he could tell them how they were supposed to become Christians, because they wanted to become Christians. So he talked to them for a short while, and then he led them in a prayer of commitment. After that, he prayed for them to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And then uh, he looked up to see that practically everybody in the room had come forward for prayer. And although he'd taken a team with him, he wasn't going to have enough time to get round everybody. So he went on to the next lady who was waiting to be prayed. She was um, a lady who had an injury in her back, so she was asking for healing prayer. So um, he was about to start praying for her, and then he waved the two girls he'd literally just prayed for to come over, and he said... Um, um, I want you to pray for this lady, and they sort of their jaws dropped. I mean, clearly they hadn't done a theological degree, they hadn't done ministry training, they hadn't even read the Bible, they'd literally just become Christians. But um, John said, you know, if you have faith, God can use you. What I want you to do is put your hand on, on her back, ask for the Holy Spirit to come, wait a little bit, and then ask God to heal her. So he gets them started, and then he goes, leaves them there, praying for, I don't know who was most surprised, the two girls or the woman, but off he goes to pray for the next person in line. And once he's finished praying for them, he goes back to go and see how they're getting on, thinking in his head, oh, well, I'll probably have to explain, you know, God doesn't heal all the time. But no, they've stopped praying because they're chatting excitedly about the fact she's been miraculously healed. All that to say, you don't need to have any great learning. You're, once you're open to the Spirit... God can use you to do all sorts of incredible things. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you another true story. This is a true story about um, a homeless lady who used to push her belongings around in a shopping trolley on the street where James used to live uh, before we got married. Um, she was a familiar figure in the area, and the local church had befriended her and had tried to help her. But she was really accustomed to her way of life and was reluctant to help, accept any help. And then one day we heard that she had sadly died and that there were several well-dressed people at her funeral. Um, we subsequently found out that she had actually inherited a very large fortune. She was the owner of a luxurious flat in Chelsea, which is one of the most expensive areas in London, and had many valuable paintings. But she chose to live on the street with her plastic bags full of rubbish rather than leave her familiar life and enjoy her inheritance. Even though life on the streets must have been really hard, cold, and frequently dangerous, and her inheritance offered her a way out of this bleak existence. She preferred to stay on the streets, because at least this was what she was familiar with. And this lifestyle had become part of her identity. To lose it would have risked losing herself. And I think that like the homeless lady, we too can fail to take hold of our incredible inheritance, because transformation is scary and at times challenging. I know that from personal experience. There are many times like when I, like the caterpillar, have said, you won't catch me going up in one of those. I remember distinctly making a de declaration that I would never speak in church. Interestingly, 
God's plans are different from ours. The thing is, God knows what's best for us because he created us. He knows even better than we do ourselves what is best for us. When God asked Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, Moses was less than keen. He had a stutter and he didn't feel in any way capable of being a spokesman. When the angel of God called Gideon to lead the downtrodden people into battle against the mighty Midianite army, Gideon was very quick to point out that he was the wrong person to ask, that he was the least in his tribe. And when Paul, um, sorry, and when Jesus called Peter out of the boat to walk on water, I strongly suspect Peter had some hesitation. Likewise, we can feel inadequate to the task that God calls us to step into of our, our, for our inheritance. And what I would advise anybody caught in one of those arguments with God about what direction like their life should take is, you're best off losing the arguments. Because when you lose an argument to God, you win. It is only when we hand God the control of our lives that he's able to lead us out of our comfort zone and into our inheritance. Before God called them out, Moses was a shepherd, Gideon was a farmer, and Peter was a fisherman. If they hadn't allowed God to guide them, I'm sure they would have lived comfortable lives and they'd have been very safe. But they wouldn't have seen God part the waters They wouldn't have seen their people freed from captivity and they wouldn't have had an opportunity to walk on water. The thing is, if we want to have stories to tell like Moses and Gideon and Peter, or like those two girls who just prayed the prayer before praying for the woman to be healed, or like my friend Jess, we have to allow God to fill us with his spirit and guide us out of our comfort zone into freedom. That's how we metamorphose from our caterpillar state, which has so much potential but so little freedom, into our butterfly state, where we can stretch out our wings and enjoy the adventure. And to finish by saying, my prayer for all of us tonight is that God would so fill us with his spirit of transformation that we would grow into the butterflies that he created us to be. Thank you.